It is Wednesday, November 2nd. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. Home run derby in Philadelphia. And a hot and heavy NFL trade deadline. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Tons of trades at the NFL trade deadline. The Phillies blast five home runs and capture game three of the World Series. That's going to be the Vegas lead, AJ, because this was quite the performance by the Phillies. Yeah, and Lance McCullers started poorly. It didn't get better. Dusty didn't go get him. Uh, I I think I saw a lot of people saying this. I believe it to be true. I, I think that Lance was tipping his pitches. It was obvious. Uh, so if if you know what's coming, mm-hmm. you're that good of a hitter, so things let, are going to go your way. Let's paint the picture here, and here's what happened during last night's game. By the way, if you listen to Straight Out of Vegas AM for the past two days as we previewed Game 3, not once but twice, because of the rain out. <laughs> My prediction in the very first inning was Kyle Schwarber walks and Reese Hoskins hits a two-run home run. Yeah. In the bottom of the first last night, Kyle Schwarber walked. Oh, it was all set up for you. Reese Hoskins didn't homer, but Bryce Harper yes. did. <laughs> the Phillies take a 2-0 lead. Bryce Harper homers off the first pitch he sees from Lance McCullers. After that home run, the cameras, and credit Fox, they did such a great job. Harper is in the dugout yelling to Alec Bohm, who's on deck. Well, first off, Harper, as he crosses home plate, says something to Nick Castellanos. Whatever. He's then calling to Alec Bohm. He then tells Alec Bohm something in his ear. Castellanos grounds out to end the inning. Ranger Suarez does a good job getting out of the second. And to lead off the bottom of the second, on the very first pitch he sees, Alec Bohm hits a home run. They asked him, hey, what did Bryce Harper tell you? He's like, that's between me and Bryce. A <laughs> couple of batters later. Wait Brand- a minute, is this cheating? couple of batters <laughs> later, Brandon Marsh homers. Later in the game, Kyle Schwarber homers. Then Reese Hoskins homers. 7 nothing Phillies on five home runs. And clearly, the Phillies knew what was coming. There's videos circulating around Twitter of Lance McCullers on different pitches changing his leg kick. When it was a fastball, he had a leg kick that was a little closer to his plant leg. When he when he threw a, a curveball, his leg kick was higher and away from his body. That might have been what Bryce Harper and the Phillies picked up on, but there was clearly something, AJ, because how many times do you see a guy hit a home run, then yell to the on-deck batter, Not, tell him something thing. in his ear, and then on the very first pitch, that batter hits a home run? Yeah, it seemed like there was clearly something going on. And, and uh, again, I think Dusty had a really slow hook here with Lance. Uh, well, I think they, they chalked it up. Uh, I, I think this was Dusty saying, this game is a loss. I'm saving my bullpen. 
and we're going to let Lance just eat these innings. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess so. Then might, might as well have let him finish the fifth then. But at some point, after he gives up back to back home runs, yeah. I mean, you just got to take him out here. And by the way, when, once the bullpen gets in there, Arkady and Stanek did a really good job sure. uh, for the rest of the game. Tough Obviously, beat if you had the over. Over eight, there were seven runs scored in the first five innings, and you don't get. And that's kind of that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. Was lost in this is that Ranger Suarez was just phenomenal, yeah. and, and not like overpowering, dominant stuff, but he kept the, kept the ball in the ballpark. Astros didn't really hit anything hard. The top five hitters in the Astros lineup, one for 18. Mm, that's not good. Yeah, just couldn't get anything going. So if, if the top – and Altuve was up in a big spot in, with a chance to get the Astros back in the game early, mm-hmm. does nothing. It, it was just a – while the story is going to be, well, the Phillies hit all these home runs, mm-hmm. the truth is after that Bryce Harper home run, the Astros were dead because they couldn't get anything going on offense. What last night's – score and Ranger Suarez being so effective through five innings, what it did for Rob Thompson and for this Phillies team was that they did not have to use any of their high leverage relievers. Ranger Suarez went five innings. He was followed by Connor Brogdon, Kyle Gibson, Nick Nelson, and Andrew Bellotti. That means Alvarado didn't pitch. Sir Anthony Dominguez didn't pitch. You still have Syndergaard slated to start game six. He didn't pitch. This was, no, Brad Hand, this was huge for the Phillies to not have to use any of their high-leverage relievers in this game. It absolutely was. And, you know, the like I said, the Astros, you, you said they may have made a, a business decision and said, let's just let's let him eat it. Uh, but they, the Astros probably saw, hey, they're not going to burn their guys. Why should we burn any of our guys? Yeah, uh, and probably a wise move. And we've got essentially a a, a pick'em tonight in, in Game Four. I, I said I thought the Astros would be favored in every game. Well, I was wrong because this is wherever you look. It's for the most part, it's minus one hundred five, minus one hundred five, mm-hmm. and it is a a, a pure coin toss on who's going to win game four tonight. What are your thoughts on the matchup? I think it's so hard to bet against this Phillies team. It just really is. The, the, the mojo is there. They, this is the, the, the city is electric. The stadium atmosphere was incredible. And they are just riding this momentum right now. It's so hard to bet against them. If you're the Astros, you just need to take one of these games. Just get this series back to Houston. Even if you're down 3-2, just get this series back to Houston. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. I've been on the Phillies the entire postseason. I picked the Astros to win in six, partially because, well, mainly because I got this contest that I'm in and I'm trying to do a little game theory here. I I find it just really hard to bet against this Phillies team. Uh, I think that if the Astros lose this game, I like the fact that they have Justin Verlander against Noah Syndergaard in game number five. Because that makes me feel like, okay, they can get the series back to Houston. But if they don't start out fast against Aaron Nola with his high strikeout ability and with his – he doesn't walk anybody. He limits walks to like the best in Major League Baseball. It's going to be a long night for the Astros. And this is an offense now that they don't score a single run this game. You know, they get the five runs in in game number uh, two. Those runs came early, right? They yeah. had three in the first inning. 
Um, so, and they scored early in the game that they lost too. Remember, they had the five nothing lead. They scored early, so they're going to need to sustain some offense, which right now they have not been able to. Meanwhile, the Phillies, they just keep hitting and keep scoring, especially at home. Yeah, it's it's funny because these these two games have been so. Or well, the the first game obviously you get the you get the big lead and then they melt. And then game two and game three are sort of mirror images of each other where the Astros, I mean, the Philly gets a couple runs at, at the end of uh, at the end of game two, but for the most part, it's a, a dominant Astros performance against a, a, a dominant Philly performance in game three. So I'm, I'll say this right now. I think game four is the most important game in this series. I think whoever wins this game four is going to win the series. So I will say I like the idea that the the Phillies are going with Nola. I, I think they probably realize the same thing. This is a massive, massive game for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the Astros can even it up, I, I think they they probably understand with what their pitching situation will be for the rest of this series. It's not ideal. This is the best arm they've got left in this series. This is the best bullet that they've got in their chamber. I think they have to win this game. Phillies right now minus 145 to win the series. Astros plus 120 on the comeback. Tons of action on NFL trade deadline day yesterday. And let's go ahead and go through some of these, the bigger trades. There were some smaller trades. The Falcons made a couple uh, deals with the with the Bills and the Chiefs on some, some lower end guys. But there were a couple big moves that happened. Let's start with the Buffalo Bills. The Bills get Naheem Hines for Zach Moss in a conditional sixth-round pick. The Bills been in the market for a receiving back. Uh, you know, it's sort of weird because you just used a second-round pick on James Cook. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't think that's working out. And it, it to me, it's always odd when the, the Bills are throwing around draft picks for running backs considering they hardly ever run the ball. But maybe this is what they want to do now is they want to get themselves a – uh, a, a running back that they can utilize to carry the football because, let's face it, as the year moves on, the weather's going to get worse up in Buffalo, and the conditions are not going to be so great to be throwing the football. Uh, Devin Singletary doesn't exactly scare you running the football at all, so maybe now having a more explosive back in Naeem Hines and and you have uh, sort of this three-headed backfield now with Singletary, Hines, and and James Cook makes them uh, – gives them more options to run the football as the weather starts to get colder. Well, I, and I, here's what I'll say. I don't think they got Naeem Hines to run the football. I think they got Naeem Hines to pass protect and to catch the football out mm. of the backfield. Uh, I, I think they, they feel good about Singletary when they want to run the ball. It's just they run the ball so rarely. Yeah that it doesn't matter much. The bill is going to pick up about half of that 3.6 million in salary and the roster bonuses on his 2022 deal. Uh, let's talk Bill's about also got a safety from the uh, Falcons from the Dean Falcons. Marlo. Yeah. So Dean Marlowe goes for a 2023 seventh round pick as well. And the Bills is set the secondary, particularly the safeties, have been banged up. Uh, Jordan Poyer's fighting through it. Micah Hyde's already done for the year. Uh, so this gives them some depth in the secondary, which I think will be good for them as well. And while we're talking about the Falcons trading, uh, making trades, uh, the, the Falcons actually bring in Rashad Fenton from Kansas City for a conditional uh, 2023 seventh rounder. And... The big move that the Falcons make, sending Calvin Ridley to the Jacksonville Jaguars for a fifth round, a, a fifth round pick and a conditional 
2024 pick that could be anywhere from a fourth to a second rounder if Calvin Ridley signs long-term with the Jags. But there's a guy in Ridley who's obviously not going to play this year, but who's not going to play at least this year. Yeah, He could be suspended longer. We don't know. But he is not playing at least this season. Listen, I'm a big Calvin Ridley fan, but Calvin Ridley right now feels a lot like Ben Simmons. Like uh, he stepped away for the the you know the end of the 2021 season with mental health mm. concerns, and, and yeah, then now, now he's suspended, suspended for, for gambling. This whole year. It's like when he comes back, what should we expect him to look like? And uh, how many parlays he? Hit. Yeah. What's funny is you remember who uh, he bet against to get him suspended, was Jacksonville. <laughs> Guess where he's at now? In Jacksonville. So I, I like this deal for the Jags because the risk is mitigated by the conditions. Like, it's if, if he doesn't if, – if he's suspended long-term, you give up basically nothing. If you sign him to a long-term deal, it's clearly worth it. Uh, it's, again, for the – and maybe the Falcons are hoping that that happens because they want as much draft capital as they can get. But it is sort of odd. Uh, let's talk about the 49ers trading Jeff Wilson. It, it, we, sort of a a strange move, I would say, because, I mean, I, I know you got Christian McCaffrey. You can't count on Christian McCaffrey staying healthy. Mm. But the 49ers decided to trade Jeff Wilson yeah, this, to the Dolphins for a 2023 fifth rounder. This to me, The story here is the Dolphins. The Dolphins get better at the running back position because Chase Edmonds stinks. It also reunites... Jeff Wilson with his former backfield teammate in Raheem Mostert playing for his former offensive coordinator in Mike McDaniel. This just made so much sense. Now Mike McDaniel's got two guys in that backfield in Mostert and Jeff Wilson that know his offense inside out. So they're gonna, Jeff Wilson's going to step in seamlessly into this offense. And, oh, the Dolphins weren't done there because they get Bradley Chubb from the Denver Broncos in exchange for Chase Edmonds <laughs> to get rid of him. But you look now at this Dolphins team, they're signaling that they're all in for it this year. Yeah, they, they give up that 2023 first rounder that they got from San Francisco. They give up their own 2024 fourth rounder. And like you said, uh, Chase Edmonds, this, this feels like a, a smart move by the Dolphins. The Dolphins really are going for it right now. They feel like they're one of those teams in the second tier. I, I should say the third tier because the Bills have their own tier in the AFC. I would agree with that. And then it feels like the next tier is Kansas City. But I think the Dolphins are in that third tier with several other teams who feel like we've really got a shot at this thing. And I would say the Dolphins, of all those teams in the AFC, mm-hmm. had the biggest trade deadline. So really, really pushed their chips into the middle of the table. I dig it. Uh, other moves that were made, Chase Claypool goes from the uh, Steelers to the Bears. So you give uh, Justin Fields a, a weapon there and Chase Claypool. And TJ Hawkinson, this was surprising to me, the Lions sending TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings. So now the Vikings get uh, some tight end help uh, with TJ Hawkinson. Were you surprised that the Lions sent him away? It seems weird. He's 25 years old. What it signals is they weren't going to sign him. Are the Lions already rebuilding again? Mm. Like, how good can the Lions feel about Dan Campbell right now? How good do the Lions feel about anything right now? There's a lot of weird stuff going on. I I don't love this for the Lions. I don't love what it says about the the Lions' long-term prospects. I know they're supposed to be be getting Jamison Williams back, 
which gives him, you know, another pass catching option. And eventually they're going to have to find a quarterback anyway because Jared Goff can't be the long term answer. But this is an odd thing. And what it does is it gives Minnesota a legitimate third receiving option behind Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, uh, particularly because Irv Smith, high ankle sprain, probably done for the season. This also, I think that this might be a money move, okay? Because TJ Hawkinson signed a four-year contract with the Lions, um, and I don't know when that was, but bottom line is this year his base salary is extremely low. Next year, his dead cap hip is like is like nine million dollars, but his base salary is low. Well, next year's his fifth year option. Next year, his base salary is nine million dollars. Yeah, it's that's the fifth year option. To, uh, in, I don't know. I'm he's an unrestricted free agent in 2024. Yeah, but them giving up a second round and a third round pick tells me the Vikings yes. have intentions this is, on, this on is signing. All, this is the Lions saving nine million dollars. Yeah, and I'm guessing the Vikings want, want to sign T.J. Hawkinson mm-hmm. long term. So there you go, a wild and woolly trade deadline. Uh, the tra- the Jets trade Jacob Martin to the Broncos in a smaller deal, um, open up some playing time for some younger guys on that defensive front, and the Broncos' defense gets even stronger. And William Jackson the third goes from the Commanders to the Steelers. In case you were wondering, the Dolphins' moves, maybe some movement there in their Super Bowl odds. Dolphins are still 30-1. to 1. To win the Super Bowl. Bills plus 225. Eagles 5 to 1. Chiefs plus 650. 49ers 13 to 1. Dolphins 30 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Maction, Maction, Maction. That's what we're talking about, baby. We had two games last night. Ball State 27-20 winners over Kent State, who jumped out to a 13-0 lead and then fell asleep at the wheel. In the other game, Ohio. What a statement win against Buffalo. 45 to 24. This Ohio team has been humming the last several weeks. Just a dominant performance against Buffalo, who was sitting at first place in the MAC East. We've got a couple. If you're keeping score, AJ, though, one and one, Maction overs. One and one to the over. We will keep track uh, of midweek Maction throughout the season. We've got two games on the Maction card tonight, Wednesday night Maction. Not as fun as Tuesday night Maction, but at least it's football. Western Michigan, four-and-a-half-point dogs at Bowling Green. Total a very non-Maction-esque 48 in this game, and I, I think the, the total being low here makes some sense. Bowling Green has been a lot better this year, and the reason they've been a lot better is they are playing defense. Western Michigan, they've had a a solid defense for several years. I expect that to be the case again tonight. Uh, Good tackling team, a a solid defense. So uh, if if you were making a play on this one, this is the, the rare time I would say look look for a low scoring matchup here. I'd lean to the dog, lean to the under. In the second game, Central Michigan Six-point dogs on the road at Northern Illinois. Now we're talking 56. Yeah, that's the, more the like total. It. And this, and listen, you get accustomed to a certain thing. Uh, you don't want to. You don't want to see it change. But this is a game where I, I think I like the dog here. I think I like Central Michigan in this game. Chippewa. Yeah, this is a uh, the the way that you're going to beat Central Michigan is chucking the ball around. We've seen it happen this year. Northern Illinois. 
that ain't that ain't their cup of tea, friend. Uh, it feels like just from a matchup standpoint, Central Michigan should be the side here. They they're now at six uh, after opening up at five. Uh, I think plus six is the right move here. Central Michigan plus six in this matchup. Big news in the NBA, AJ, yesterday the Brooklyn Nets dismissed Steve Nash as their head coach. Kevin Durant says that he was shocked by the news. I find it so hard to believe that Kevin Durant was shocked by this. He's like, I, no, no chance he's yeah, shocked no by this. No chance he's shocked by this, um, especially when you're hearing the reports uh, that Ime Udoka is possibly going to become the next head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Yes, suspended Celtics head coach Ime Udoka is finalizing a deal with the Brooklyn Nets to be their new head coach. The Celtics apparently were never going to stop him from going out there and finding another job. Uh, and we know that Udoka was a Nets assistant for one year before becoming the Celtics head coach. Here's what I believe about this situation. Is it fair that Steve Nash got fired? No. But this is the NBA. In the NBA, it's a lot easier to move on from a coach than it is from players. Absolutely. Players run themselves. Brooklyn has been a massive disappointment since putting this thing together. Is some of it Steve uh, Steve Nash's fault? Probably. I can't – I don't know for sure, but – it's safe to say at least some of the blame falls on Steve Nash, but these players just haven't done the job. No, I thought last night they were actually going to get a little boost by dismissing Steve Nash and, and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were going to show up. They lost to the Bulls 108-99. They allowed Chicago to go on like a 17-2 run in the fourth quarter in that game. They got outscored 31-19 in the fourth quarter of that game. Uh, that's when coaching, I think, comes into plays in the fourth quarter. So clearly, Jacques Vaughn not getting the job done there in the fourth quarter of that game last night. But also, in that game, Kyrie Irving was as non-existent as you could find. He was 2 of 12 from the field, 0 of 6 from three-point range. He scored four points and was a negative 14 on the floor. He hurt his team more so than helping them last night. And I got to wonder, all this outside noise surrounding Kyrie Irving with his anti-Semitic comments and all everything, the, the, the protests now that are going on at the Barclays Center, fans sitting courtside wearing shirts. Like, it, it, this, is, this is a lot of outside noise going on with this Brooklyn Nets team that right now watching them just seems like they are two players against five. Every single night. It's a, it's a weird situation. Their roster just isn't – there's a lot of good players on this team. It's not a team that's built to succeed. Uh, you know, if, if Ben Simmons worked with big guards where Ben Simmons could be the guy going out and, and taking care of the ball handler, which is where ideally you'd like to have him, and you could have Irving or Patty Mills or Seth Curry playing off, you know, off the, the point, that'd be great. But because those guys are so small, they're overmatched. So you can't use Ben Simmons the right way. You, you can't. It's hard to have multiple guys who are just zero shooters on the floor. Ben Simmons is a zero shooter. Mm-hmm. Nick Claxton is a zero shooter. It, the, it, the way that they are constructed, it's just difficult to, to run an NBA franchise that way. I don't know what Udoka can do. Uh, what I do like about the, uh, Udoka coming in is – you assume that defensively things change. You would hope so. And look at what he did with that Celtics team. From January on, 
the Celtics were the best defensive team in the NBA. And so bringing in Udoka now, we know the NBA season is a marathon. We also know the NBA season doesn't really start until Christmas. So over the course of the next month or so, if he gets this team into shape and then once the calendar flips to 2023, they start playing the same defensive basketball that the Celtics played last year, the Nets could then possibly make a run. So now let's get into tonight's schedule, a little NBA, and we'll do an NHL as well, look ahead, even though it's a small NHL schedule. But with the NBA tonight, we have the 76ers, seven and a half point favorites at home against the Wizards. Uh, the Hawks visit the Knicks. Boy, Knicks fans hate Trey Young. Knicks are two point favorites over the Hawks. The Celtics visit the Cavaliers. Boston, one and a half point favorites. The Miami Heat host the Sacramento Kings. Miami, six and a half point favorites. Detroit is at Milwaukee. The Bucks, how good are they this year? They haven't lost the game yet. Six and O oh on the year. Bucks, 11 and a half point favorites. Clippers are at the Rockets. LA laying five points at Houston. The Bulls, second out of a back-to-back after beating the Nets. We'll host the Hornets. Chicago laying five and a half. Raptors at the Spurs. Toronto laying eight and a half. The Mavericks, six-point favorites at home against the Jazz. Blazers host the Grizzlies. Memphis, three and a half-point favorites. And the Lakers, fresh off their first win of the season, three-point dogs at home to the New Orleans Pelicans. You like New Orleans? Tonight? I probably would lean that way. I'm not an NBA better, but that would be the only way I'd be looking tonight. Just a short uh, schedule on the ice tonight. The Flyers are at the Maple Leafs. Toronto minus 320 with a total of seven. Flyers losing in New York last night against the Rangers. one nothing in overtime. Just a tremendous goaltending performance from both Igor Shesterkin and Carter Hart. Carter Hart had 35 saves. Shesterkin only 19 shots against, but... He stopped them all as uh, those two rivals played a great game last night. And then the Penguins playing the second out of a back-to-back. They are in Buffalo to take on the Sabres. Pittsburgh minus 130 with a total of 6.5. The Penguins last night had a 5-2 lead over the Bruins. Lost the game 6-5 in overtime. Absolutely brutal blowing a lead like that. So just a short two-game slate on the ice tonight. And uh, if you've been following along on pregame.com with uh, any of our picks, uh, my hockey package is off to an incredible start. Uh, Very fortunate. We've been seeing the board well, and things are going well. A one-in-one night last night. And for the second time, AJ, I have bet a winner, but I lost because I bet them in regulation. So last night I had Vegas to win in regulation. Vegas wins in overtime. So I picked the correct winner, but... Instead of laying the juice on the favorite, I decided to go with them to win in regulation, which I like to do a lot with some of these favorites just because uh, if you expect them to win the game, you're, you're laying a lot less juice by uh, having them win in regulation. Anyway, if you want to buy my NHL long uh, season-long package, we're going to give you 20%. In fact, we're going to give you 20% off anything at pregame.com. Use the promo code WIN20. W-I-N-20. 20% off. Good for listeners of S-O-V-A-M only. Uh, it's good and um, you, you know, good for now. You can use the podcast. You can use this promo code 
and get yourself 20% off any package, whether it's my NHL season-long package, you want AJ's uh, UFC stuff or, or college football, NFL, jump on board at pregame.com. Use the promo code WIN20. It's W-I-N-20 for 20% off. Also, our Beat McKenzie Rivers NBA contest is still going on. And you can still enter, because it goes on all season, but you know what I'm trying to say. You can still enter. It's not too late. Even though the season has started, you can still get in. It's free. That's right. Free to get in. Just go to pregame.com, click on contests, and go to the Beat McKenzie Rivers NBA contest. Here's how it works. The contestant that earns the most NBA units is going to win $500. And then if that winner wins more units than what McKenzie did last year when McKenzie won 64.03 units, that winner of the contest is going to get an extra $500. That's $1,000, and it's free to enter. Go to pregame.com, click on contests, find the McKenzie Rivers NBA contest. Don't wait. NBA action's rolling, but there's still time to join your free chance to win $1,000. Enjoy Game 4 of the World Series, all the NBA and NHL action, and football. Yeah, we got football every day for the foreseeable future, which is so great. For A.J. Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas AM.